How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Donovan Bailey. Donovan is one of the world's all-time greatest and most dominant sprinting legends. He is a two-time Olympic champion, three-time world champion, and two-time world record holder. He is also the first man in history to be world champion, Olympic champion, and world record holder all at the same time. And if that's not impressive enough for you, Donovan is also the only person to be inducted into Canada's Sports Hall of Fame, not once, but twice. Since his retirement in 2001, he has been involved in a variety of entrepreneurial ventures, as well as supporting many charitable associations. And he has also just launched the third season of his own podcast called Running Things with Donovan Bailey. Welcome, Donovan, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Uh, Andrew, thanks for having me. This is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in the suburb of Oakville. That's, uh, that's hometown. That's where I've been... Um, my parents moved here many, many, many years ago, uh, and uh, so I came from Jamaica to here, and I still got a house here. Um, yes, and I'm here and having fun, and you know, thanks for having me on. Well, it's, it's my pleasure, and shout out to Oakville. I have to ask you, how is your body holding up today? We, we are a similar age. I was not the fastest man on the planet, and I did not ever train like you did, but I have to tell you that my body today is not a finely tuned instrument. How does your body feel these days when you wake up and try and get out of bed? Well, well I think that mentally I feel like my body's a fine-tuned <laughs> machine, but um, the aches and pains of every single joint, um, you know, it gets to me. Uh, certainly, I mean, I, I have, uh, I've had some surgery, so I've had uh, uh, two blown Achilles. Uh, so, you know, uh, those are surgically repaired. I had a surgically repaired knee. Uh, my back hurts a little bit, uh, you know, definitely it's a lot of pounding uh, when you're out there on the track and, and uh, you're doing 10 times your body weight per race uh, and practice. Uh, so yeah, you know what, my, I think I'm fine though. I mean, I'm, I play basketball, uh, I try to play basketball with the fellas uh, every Monday night uh, when I'm in Canada. Uh, in the summertime, I get out and I play, uh, you know, as much golf as my schedule allows and you know, I don't know. I, I try to I try to stay active. I mean, I'm hanging out with my kids and trying to, you know, be active with them. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm, I'm definitely the old man. I'm the old man <laughs> lumbering around. You and me. And you just said it when you try to keep up with kids. That's what keeps you youthful. For sure. I have to ask you, Donovan, uh, you know, 1996 fastest man on the planet Earth, 9.84 seconds. What could 54 year old Donovan Bailey run the 100 meters in today? You know, I've been asked that question a thousand times, I, and, and I think it actually, I mean, I don't think I'd finish a race. I mean, I think that's, that, no, for real, I don't think I'd finish it. I think that ultimately, you know, you have muscle memory, right? So if I'm in a race, then I'm going to think I can do the things I used to do. But that's why athletes retire, 
because mentally they cannot retire. It's impossible for an athlete to retire. But the body, the body and the miles on that body says different. So yeah. I don't know if I would actually be able to finish it. Uh, so I can't stick a time on it. What I would like to do, though, I mean, I see a lot of what I've been seeing a lot of and a couple of my friends from the U.S. Uh, that play in the NFL have been reaching out to me because I think Terrell Owens and uh, a couple of the other guys, they're starting to like race each other. And I'm like, so I'm like, oh, my God, maybe I need to like get back to the gym for real, for real uh, and, and kind of see what I can do and run a 40 meter against some of these guys. I mean, the NFL guys are, I mean, they're quick, but they're not fast. So, you know, I mean, that's just, that just might be one of those wishful thinking, but yeah. you never know, I might, you might see me out there. <laughs> I love the idea. And actually on that note, Donovan, as you know, a hundred meter dash, it's basically the same length as a standard football field. How right. often did people ask you after to be, did you ever consider becoming a kick returner in football? Well, uh, funny enough, I was well, I, I still have the 50-meter world record today. And so my 40 time uh, in 1996 was 3.78. And uh, the, the fastest 40-meter in the NFL, I think, is like something like 4.2. Mm. Um, so uh, I did get drafted by the BC Lions. And also, um, and also th there, was, uh, there was consideration from the Oakland Raiders to draft me also, but I mean, I, I did meet Hal Davis at that time, and he was going to waste the draft pick on me. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know what? I've been asked tons of times, and and um, you know, when I was competing, I was I was six foot six foot one, six foot two, uh, two hundred ten pounds. So I wasn't exactly a small sprinter. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been asked lots to play football, asked to play for uh, asked to play rugby, especially rugby sevens. Uh, so I get asked a lot to do other things, and I do, I, I try other things too. It's not a bad <laughs> and I, thing. And I wonder for you, when you're in Oakville in your own suburb, how often does a punky 15-year-old come up and say, hey, hey, old man Bailey, I want to race you. How do you deal with these young punks? You know what? I don't, racing is not what, what, what when, where people see me like in, in like workout outfits. So when I'm at the gym and we're playing basketball with the rest of the old guys, when we're really just trying to get a nice run up and down the court and then go have a beer after. Sometimes you got those young punks get out there and say, listen, kid, what do you got? What do you got? They say, your sport, what do you got? And then, and then uh, I think that uh, I've put them in their place a couple of times when they quickly realize that the old man's got some steps still. <laughs> That's excellent. I love hearing that. Let's please go all the way back and get the Donovan Bailey story. Where were you born? And please describe your upbringing. I was born in Jamaica. I think everyone knows that. I mean, that, that, that's maybe that's a hotbed of sprinting around the around the world. The greatest sprinters ever uh, come from Jamaica. Somehow it's probably in the water. Who knows? Uh, but I was born in Jamaica, uh, lived in Jamaica till I, was, I came to Canada when I was seven, went back to Jamaica, uh, attended school there, uh, had an academic scholarship uh, to uh, Knox College High School, uh, boarding school in Jamaica, moved Moved to Canada permanently when I was 12. Uh, moved to Oakville. I'm going to say not even Canada. Moved to Oakville, and uh, I've always had a house here then. So since then, um, you know, went to school here, uh, lived in the States, um, went to Louisiana State University and University of Texas, where I trained uh, for, uh, for my track career. And, uh, you know, I'm settled back in Oakville. 
the, the best place, maybe the utopia uh, for, you know, for kids. Uh, because, uh, you, know, you know, the friends and I that I grew up around, uh, we're still friends to this day. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's definitely the ideal place uh, to have a family and to grow up. I'm biased. Yeah, hey, listen, I got a my, my shout out to my brother, Lawrence. He keeps telling I'm in Richmond Hill. He's in Oakville and he keeps telling me I got to get out there. Well, Lawrence is a up, smart man. He's a smart man. How'd you end up in Oakville, Donovan? How'd you end up as that, that landing place from Jamaica? Well, my parents, uh, you know, uh, my father, uh, you know, just one of those. My, my father was a blue collar machinist. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it didn't really matter to him uh, about how many hours he need to work every single day. Uh, he moved to Oakville, and even at the time, he said that he couldn't afford the house that we lived in, but he was going to work 12 hours a day to make sure that he put us in the right place. Uh, you know, put my brothers and I in the right place, uh, where in a great school district, great neighbors, great neighborhood, uh, you know, great place to grow up, parks, um, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, so he basically, um, the sacrifice that he made, and the hard work that he did was to all put us in a place where we could be successful in whatever endeavor we chose. Uh, so yeah, Oakville, uh, yeah, it's my pops, man. My pops was <laughs> it from, it was from Jamaica to Oakville and I, I, there was no Google Maps then as to where the best place was. So, well, you know, he was working in Milton at the time. So I think that, uh, you know, my dad's always been someone who asked a lot of questions. So I'm sure he would have found uh, whomever the information provider was to get whatever information he needed to buy the house that he did. Absolutely. And Donovan, I have to ask you, you mentioned you had come when you were seven, went back to Jamaica, and then moved for good when you're 12. Do you remember the first time you saw snow? Yeah, I thought it was cotton. <laughs> uh, you know, because seriously, I mean, this is, the, that's, this is like the funniest thing, because uh, I'm in Jamaica, so I mean, I'm getting Christmas cards from my, from my families here, right? And, and, uh, and, and also for my family in New York. So I'm like, oh, nice. Man, these guys go and they have cotton all over the place because people are happy and they're laughing and they're doing all that stuff. The first time, the first time I experienced snow, I think it, it damn near died of uh, hyperthermia, man, because I went outside <laughs> thinking that it was snow and obviously not prepared for it. And, uh, yeah, I think that, it, that I probably got the biggest uh, cold uh, ever. Uh, you know, or flu, or whatever it was. That, I mean, we don't know what it is, at the, at, you know, now because of COVID and no one knows what the hell's happening with yeah. their bodies. But yeah, back then, uh, I definitely had, uh, it, I, I got quite sick the first time. But I mean, it was, it was fun because what ended up happening at that time was, you know, having snow, then I understood, uh, you know, kind of the, the you know, the, the environment I was in. So road hockey was one of the things I did with my neighbor, then it was skiing and snowboarding. So it was just so, you know, you just got used to it and adapt to things. I mean, I'm an active guy. Not yep. saying that I love the cold, but <laughs> I adapted to the snow and the cold. So Donovan, you graduated from Sheridan College with a business administration degree. And after watching the 1990 Canadian Track and Field Championships, you realized that most of the men competing were men that you had actually beaten in high school. So as you mentioned, around 93, you headed out to Louisiana State University. Your high school friend, Glenroy Gilbert, was there. You met American coach Dan Pfaff. What was your relationship like with him, and how did he get involved in your training? Yeah, I went to Sheridan. It was great. I played basketball there, by the way. That was, uh, and we were the best, one of the best teams in the country, college or university. 
Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, my story, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book, which will be out uh, in 2023. And um, yeah, you know, I raced Glenroy. Glenroy and I ran against each other in high school. Uh, and I really didn't do a lot. I knew I was very talented in high school. I was one of the best sprinters in Jamaica as a 10-year-old. Um, so coming to Canada, I knew that I was going to be one of the best. My brother O'Neill uh, was one of the best sprinters, long jumpers in Canada, like by far. Um, my work ethic was a little different than his. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, you know, but um, I ran against Glenroy and there were other athletes that were in the Toronto area that had made the team. And, and, and so I, I was watching um, the track competition in, I think it was 1990, and I saw guys that had beaten. I saw guys that never lost in high school. And I thought, oh, I can beat those guys. Yeah, so that's kind of how it started. Uh, Glenn Roy is one of those guys that, you know, probably one of the, my training partner at Louisiana State University and at Texas. Uh, you know, probably one of the hardest working guys, one of the hardest working athletes, and now a very, the coach of our national team. Uh, you know, one of the good guys. Definitely my first run draft choice for the relay. <laughs> uh, but 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 Glenn Roy was a good guy and 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 and, uh, and and so being at meeting Dan at Louisiana State University kind of put me on the trajectory of, of, of where I got to. Uh, Dan is a serious guy, no nonsense, sort of like my dad. Uh, also was someone who um, who was an educator. Uh, you know, he, he like he, he had educated and a, and a phenomenal communicator. And in fact, Dan. Dan and I are still extremely close to this minute, to this day. Uh, and it's also somewhat, Dan is also someone that it's not necessarily, you know, coaching in track and field. Dan is someone that I'd call today to talk about life, to talk about what's going on, to talk about health, talk about therapy, to talk about uh, the financial market, you know, whatever, you know, uh, to talk, I mean, we, we talk quite a bit about uh, the pandemic uh, when it was happening. So, yeah, so Dan and I have an exceptional relationship, great communicator, and, and probably one of the one of the one of the people that were uh, with his immense uh, academic acumen uh, was allowed to stimulate me to be a better athlete every single day. A great mentor is what I'm hearing, Donovan. Phenomenal mentor. Phenomenal. Hey, Toronto. When you drink beer, you want to drink quality local beer. And when you listen to podcasts, you want to listen to quality local podcasts. That's why Toronto Legends has partnered with the Henderson Brewing Company, a locally owned, award-winning neighborhood brewery that celebrates Toronto's stories and culture, just like this podcast. You can try this month's limited edition beer, The Market, inspired by Kensington Market, at their tap room and retail store at 128A Sterling Road along the West Toronto Rail Path, or order now at hendersonbrewing.com. Now, you went on to be selected to represent Canada at the 1996 Summer Olympics after you had won your third consecutive national title in the 100 meters. On July 27th, 1996, this happened. Why am I going to describe it? Let's hear the great, late great Don Whitman from CBC Sports tell us exactly how that race went down. I get goosebumps. You must get goosebumps. Donovan, what did you think when you're in the starting blocks at that gold medal race? 
You know what? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? Nothing. Uh, you know, I think that I've asked that question quite a bit. Uh, you know what? Here, here's, here, here's what's crazy. I always tell kids that you've got to put in your 10,000 hours or whatever it is uh, to be incredible at what you do. Uh, and when I got to Olympic Games, uh, full of confidence, um, race for me to lose. It was for me to lose. Uh, you know, and for me, really, it was just, you know, I, I wasn't listening for the gun. I wasn't, you know, it's not one of these. I wasn't trying to react to the gun for me. It was just there, completely focused and completely in the moment. I mean, you know, like when I hear that, actually, even more so of the race, I kind of miss Don. Don is, Don is one of the incredible legends, uh, you know, in the booth. And, uh, and, and so when I listen to that, I mean, I, I, if I watch it, I think about all the dumb mistakes that I made. Uh, but more importantly, man, Don was uh, such an incredible guy. And, you know, what's amazing about this is that he gets to live on and we get to be attached uh, in history forever. So, so, I mean, again, I like that. But no, I, I wasn't thinking about anything. Andrew, this yeah, work was already done. And uh, I knew I was way better than the athletes that were that I was competing against uh you know the race itself for me I gave everyone you know a meter meter and a half had a horrible start uh but I knew that my top speed was better than any other person in in history before me and only to be surpassed by Usain Bolt so I don't mind being in that club absolutely and Donovan what I'm hearing is when you put in the preparation and you're in the moment it was no doubt you had the confidence Absolutely. I mean, I, I think of um, I think that sometimes people uh, misconstrue uh, confidence for arrogance. Uh, mm. But ultimately, when you're confident, it's when you're confident, uh, it simply means that you have done every single thing to prepare for that moment. And so you can live it. You can talk about it and you can be it. Uh, you know, so that's some of the things that I tell the kids. Uh, even you know, you know, I tell CEOs this. I mean, it, like anyone. There is no successful person on this planet who doesn't have a slight edge and a slight ego. Not bad. It's not a bad thing at all. <laughs> That's good. Well, Donovan, at these same 96 Atlanta Olympic Games, just six days after your 100-meter gold, you teamed up with Robert Esme, Glenroy Gilbert, and Bruni Surin for the 4x100-meter relay final. Again, here is the late, great Don Whitman from CBC Sports with the call. Canada in lane six, the United States in lane four. And they're off, and it's up to Robert Esme to run the band and make the clean exchange to Glenroy Gilbert, and he came flying out of the box. He did blast off. There goes Gilbert down the back straight. Gilbert is in a battle with Tim Hart, and now the third exchange, Marsh and Bruni Surin, and Bruni Surin has the Donovan, this is a podcast. It's only audio. You and I can see each other. I see how much you're enjoying it. Never get tired of hearing that. No, you know what? You, you don't. Um, what's incredible, and I've always said this to the fellas, I 
know what my uh, individual uh, goals are and I know I know how I am and I know when I put the blinders on and I need to get things done I get them done uh, but it's so it's so it's also I mean Canada is a, you know it's hockey country we believe in this team thing right and and although track and field is an individual sport the relay is still also individual because you have four individual men running stretches of 100 meters uh, whether it's on the corner or on a straightaway it's so amazing to get to the highest level compete and beat everybody at their best at that time so yeah there's I will I, I never get tired of that I mean the you know the dynamic of the relay team uh, Carlton Chambers was our fourth guy he was our original leadoff guy he had a very long season at Clemson uh, but so and he got injured in the out, out of the first round uh, so Robert got in there and he was chomping at the bits uh, you know what uh, and uh, you know he got a decent start for us we were down um, in the first in the first uh, John Drummond of the US uh, kind of put a beating on Robert uh, but Glenroy <laughs> I gotta tell you I say first round draft choice man my man Glenroy got the baton a tenth down and brought it back to win it, brought it back to the lead. So he handed off to Bruni in the lead. And, uh, you know, Bruni maintained. And then I got it and I opened up a little bit more and put my hand up. Because you know what? We just want to put the hammer down on them to let them know that we, we are number one. And, uh, you know, you know we, live, uh, we live very well, man. This is, uh, you know, I always said to those guys, you know, we're always known as, 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 the, as the king and a few fellas. <laughs> uh, but we always, but I always say to these guys, no matter what happens, we get in, we work hard, and we live the rest of our lives like champions. And uh, the Canadian team, the relay team, is still by far to me, and I'm very biased, uh, one of the greatest teams that ever existed in this country because we were number one in the world for six years in a row. I think it's a great point, and especially this year, Donovan, because as you know, it's the 50th anniversary of 1972, Team yep. Canada winning the Summit Series. You raise a great point. 100 meters, we think of it as a solo sport. How did you ensure, you talked about it a little, but how did you ensure all four of you were on the same page for that gold medal race? Well, I mean, the, well, uh, you know what? The, the easiest thing to do is to make sure that everyone had a responsibility. And and uh, there, there, there were some times that, uh, there was some human bodily harm threats, uh, you know, that we, that we were, absolutely, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you can't, you've got to crush that guy, whomever that guy is, or you got to not, or you got to ignore those people. But there was, for me, there was personal responsibility for each athlete. Also, because each athlete runs the 100 meters, I knew that they were all prepared because they were all trying to beat me anyways. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, you know, so, um, no, I, I think that, um, ensuring that they all understand that the work they need to do offsite, the preparation that they need to do offsite, this has nothing to do with the relay. This has to do with you individually. So you have to be prepared yourself by yourself with your team, with your coach, wherever you train. So when you get to a major championship, you're not the one dropping the baton or you're not the one uh, not understanding what uh, what the protocols are and you're not understanding that uh, coming out of shape. Uh, so, yeah, personal. So, so it's always been personal, your personal responsibility to prepare yourself to be ready for when we were there at the highest level. 
That's great. And I think, Donovan, one thing that's significant is this was only six days after your 100-meter gold. Was six days enough time for you to recover? I mean, obviously it was, but how'd you feel physically six days later having to do all this again? Well, six days is, is probably standard. When, uh, you know, in professional track and field, uh, there's competitions every weekend. So, you know, so ultimately, um, yeah, six days was fine. Six days was fine. Bruni did not make the finals. He thought he would have. Glenroy didn't make the finals. I, I, you know, I thought Glenroy would have. You know, so, so, what, what, so what we had in Atlanta was a very hungry team. We had, we had two guys who, who felt that they should have uh, been uh, in the finals, and I, I felt that they should have been also. Uh, so you had those guys as hungry guys. Yes, Carlton was very hungry, and Robert was, you know, as the substitute at the time, waiting to see what was going to happen, to see if he was going to get an opportunity. And all of that came to fruition. Uh, so yeah, you know what? It's it's um it, it was it was great, and it worked. It definitely worked out the way it's supposed to be. And for me, again, I was in tremendous shape. And not only that, I had an amazing team around me. Dr. Mark Lindsay knows my body more than I know my body. Dan Paff was the greatest coach to me that that has ever existed. So uh, so my very small team uh, was ready. Um, my support system was there. People were there cheering me on and cheering the team on. You know, so it, it was great fun. What an amazing, amazing times in 1996. Absolutely. And of next year, a little different, 1997, <laughs> the famous 150-meter race at Skydome Toronto. If I may, I'm just going to set this up quickly for the listeners. In May 97, you raced against Michael Johnson uh, in a bid to truly determine who the world's fastest man was. Earlier that spring, Michael Johnson began performing television promotions in which he billed himself as the world's fastest man as a result of his 200-meter world record, despite the fact that the 100-meter world record holders are traditionally given the unofficial title. You initially refused to take part, stating that the world's fastest man was decided in Atlanta, but you ended up participating. If I may, here one more time is again the late, great Don Whitman, from CBC Sports. <laughs> love it, love it. Jeff Gowan, Don Whitman, the two greatest. I mean, and this is no disrespect to some of the amazing uh, men, that, uh, people that I work with today or that I've worked with over the years, but those two men are a Hall of Famer first-round draft choice. Well, you're a Hall of Famer too, and you won Thank this you. race with a time of 14.99 seconds. I'm guessing you did not go out afterwards for beers with Michael Johnson, as we just heard. You questioned him for pulling up lame partway through the race and called him a chicken. Have you ever spoken to Michael Johnson since? 
You know what? That was a heat of the moment thing. Uh, you know, I think that what I've learned in media over the years is that uh, there is a thing called a hot mic, and a hot mic sometimes is when when a cold mic is put in front of a hot man. <laughs> I was pretty heated, um, but yeah. Listen, um, I have. You know what? I would love to. I mean, I sent Mike. I think that Michael had a stroke a couple of years ago, and I sent him a note over social media. Michael, listen, Michael's an amazing athlete, and uh, Michael certainly is, um, you know, one of the best uh, speed endurance guys, because uh, the 200 meters and the, and the 400 meters is speed endurance. I mean, the 100 meters is all raw power. Uh, and uh, you know what, uh, Michael, I have, I have all the respect in the world for him, but on that day, I felt that way. I'm not going to change my opinion on what happened. I think that there was a lot of uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that were going on in the world. Uh, I felt that I represented Canada truly. Uh, I thought I was in a hockey fight uh, because <laughs> I felt there was so much disrespect that was happening. And in actual fact, Andrew, here's what happens. When I'm out with, with and, and I'm in a place where Canadians, where Canadian fans are truly comfortable with me, where we can have a conversation, most of them will say, Mr. Bailey, you know what? I know you're a world record holder. I know you're Olympic champion. But I have to tell you that my greatest moment as a Canadian was the Skydome. Because that day, I felt I was invincible. That day, I felt that there was no better country than mine. That, that day, I felt I could achieve anything in life. That day, I felt I could go to med school. That day, I could, I'm just saying to you that. So, again, it's, it's, it's a different thing. Um, you know, I'm thankful that uh, people will say, people that I meet will say that I had some hand in them being fearless and 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 limitless in whatever it is that they were attempting to do in life. Uh, from whether it was the World Championships or the Olympics or definitely the 150. But yeah, I mean, I, I haven't spoken to Michael, but I would. Um, I think that um, one of the thing one of the takeaways uh, from the 150 is this, and I think a lot of people don't really speak about it. Michael Johnson and myself were the first track and field professional athletes to own a promotion. Uh, we're the first track and field athletes, uh, you know, as the boxers do today, as all of the, like, I'm just, they're doing it, they're doing it today. Imagine that. We did it 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael and I also uh, negotiated the greatest and biggest fees of any track and field, any one-time fee of any track and field athletes ever, and it still stands to this day. So I think that I want to look at that as both of us are uh, pioneers and trailblazers, but we're also competitors. So at the end That's of the great. day, uh, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Well, listen, I have to. It would be, of course, very gauche of me to talk to you about money, but I can't resist this, Donovan. You purportedly received one point five million dollars for that race, which equates to—I got out my calculator—that's a hundred thousand dollars per second during that race. Did you actually get a check for $1.5 I can imagine this big check. And did you buy, like, something crazy and special after that big win? Uh, well, that's what I won from the race. Okay. But my, but my check from that race was a little higher <laughs> than that because, because we, yes, absolutely. It was, uh, it was a little higher. I mean, uh, sponsorship bonuses, pay-per-view. Yeah, we were, it was, it was, it was much higher than that. And you know what? No, I, I didn't. There was, you know, I always say to people that I've been very blessed in, in, in my upbringing. I mean, growing up in a middle-class community in Oakville, I didn't really have a whole lot of uh, needs. Uh, you know, I had a car. Uh, I had one, uh, I'd won a Mercedes. 
uh, brand new Mercedes the year before the uh, in 1995 actually had brand new brand new Mercedes. Um, you know, I had a new house. Uh, my mom didn't need a house. Um, you know, so I didn't go out and did anything special really. I mean, I, I probably was looking at investing in some real estate at the time. That's probably that I think that's what I did. Uh, but that's other good. than that, it was being saved. <laughs> good. Donovan, I want to talk to you about a very significant moment. Earlier this year, you were named an officer to the Order of Canada. Congratulations. I want to ask about your recollections of that ceremony and where do you keep, I believe it's a medallion. Where do you keep the medallion? Well, one, I haven't had the ceremony yet, um, but, but, but thank you. I'm very humbled for that. I, I think that there was a lot of people that thought that I actually had the Order of Canada from 95 or 94 or 96, but I hadn't. I mean, uh, you know, uh, whether or not it's my team or my staff or whatever it is, um, we didn't process it or someone was thinking that I shouldn't get it. Don't know what it is. Mm. Um, my parents uh, would have loved that if they were alive, if they were both alive today. Uh, so um, receiving the order certainly uh, is the cherry on top. Uh, you know, for my body of work, uh, for my body of work representing Canada around the world, for my body of work uh, to be a sports ambassador, my body of work for philanthropy, my body of work for being a role model, my body of work for uh, being a commentator, my body of work for just being a, an okay guy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, I, but I am quite humbled. It would have been nicer if I had received this when my father and my mother got to bask in that glory because really it's it's an it, it's definitely um uh, this is really for them uh this is for them and for me being for me listening and being being their kid um yeah. but you know what uh, you know i i'm i'm very thankful you know and and very humbled uh by this award but i have to tell you also andrew from day one i've been validated as the officer of the Order of Canada or the companion of the Order of Canada by every single fan that I've met in this country. I mean, th those are my bosses. Those yeah. are, are the people that have kept me, uh, kept me humble, have, have built me up, uh, have supported me in every single thing that I do. So, I have, so, so it's, I, I'm receiving the order this year, uh, but from 1994, from the time that I went down the backstretch and led Canada, we won the Commonwealth Games. Uh, no, I've gotten the order from that day and every single opportunity that fans get today or from that day till today, yeah. uh, they say the two simple words that I always wanted. Thank you. Well said, well said. I wanna ask, you know, you've talked Donovan about mentors to you. You are now the mentor to others. Do you ever provide advice to Andre de Grasse? Do you have any kind of relationship with him? I, you know what? I, I, I'll provide uh, to Andre, to, to, to Brandon, to Aaron, whomever. I mean, I don't, you know, I still, I still, uh, and also to other athletes. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we, there's a couple of guys from Jamaica, a couple of guys from the UK, uh, a couple of guys from Brazil. Uh, there's another kid out of Kenya. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I give advice to anyone that seeks an opinion. Now, there's very few people that have been in my position, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that Andre gets there one day where he is the number one guy in the world. Uh, so I'll definitely provide information if he needs it. Uh, he's got a pretty good team around him. Uh, you know, I, I kind of helped with his, um, his turning pro, uh, you know, I advised his mother 
on 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 navigating and hiring uh, specific people, um, you know, and and kind of give give her uh, what uh, the landscape was going to look like for him, uh, and he's following a lot of that. So I'm very very happy uh, for him, uh, for Aaron, and for the rest of the guys and the other athletes that that uh, that are competing. You know, so I am as I'm as a as an older statesman, but also the only person that's ever done it. Uh, I yeah, absolutely. I, I offer I offer whomever wants it, I'll give it to them. Well, it would make total sense to be asking you. As you said, you did it. It's different. Right. I want to ask you about Ben Johnson. He is now sixty years old. He has not been heard from in a while. Donovan, what was your relationship like, and what is your relationship like with Ben Johnson, if there is any relationship? Well, I've never had a relationship with Ben. I, I mean, I don't know Ben. I've never had a beer. I've never gone out for dinner. Uh, so I never had a relationship. Ben is, Ben is uh, um, several years my senior. So he was, so he was Ben and Desai and, and uh, you know, and that, the, the crew, Mark McCoy, uh, you know, although I know Mark McCoy, um, they were the generation before me. So it's almost like asking Andre about Donovan Bailey. I mean, you know, so it's uh, other than what you see or what you hear. Uh, so I, I didn't have a relationship with Ben then, and I don't have one now. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, I think the last the last I checked, he was coaching uh, some adult athletes and maybe some younger athletes. And uh, if that's how he's making a living, then, you know, man, good for him. If I certainly can help him, if there's any help that he requires and I can help him, I would do that. I want to, you alluded to it a little, uh, Don Whitman from CBC, if you want to make some more comments about your relationship with him, because clearly you had a positive relationship even off the track, off the air. Well, listen, I mean, you talk about support system, right? <clears throat> and Don Whitman and Jeff Gowen are two of the greatest uh, commentators, play-by-play, in the history of the planet. And again, you, I mean, we don't like. I'm just, I, I, I like, I'm, I'm still mesmerized by the things that they did then, and I can't imagine if we had social media then. You know, I know I'd have about 200 million followers, and those two men would have a ton of people wanting them to do everything. Like when I see, like, you know, um, the Michael Buffers of the world, I'm thinking, man, can you imagine if these two men were around? Uh, and there's so much that they, so much else that they could do. Don Whitman. Like, I speak a lot about support system. And everyone matters. Uh, Mark Lindsay uh, was my, you know, we talk about nutrition, what I ate. He was also my physio, my acupuncture, my massage therapist, you know, someone that I confided in. Dan Pav was my coach, uh, the, the one that motivated me, the one that knew so much about me and how it is to get me to that place where I'm ready to take on the world. Uh, you know, when I come off the track and I look at who is there, one, calling my race, or two, asking me a question in the media box, and I can trust that they're going to truly support me and bring my story to the audience, absolutely. I love it. I, I mean, I miss Don Whitman and Jeff Gowan. I mean, imagine if you, I mean, if you look at it's, you know, I, I guess sometimes I'm, I'm also quite loyal to, you know, to a flaw. In 1996, after I won the Olympic Games, the 100 meters, I walked past NBC, which is, which they, they are the ones that hold the rights to the Olympic Games to talk to 
my good friend, uh, Ron McClain, because yeah. I felt that he deserved to hear my voice first, right? Uh, so, so I'm saying to you that, um, man, I tell you, I, the support system goes a long way. I mean, and, and like I said, it's, you know, man, Don, Don, like I hear Don's voice and he lives on. You know, I hear Jeff Gowan and he lives on. So, again, uh, amazing. Amazing to have, like, groups of people, group that, that, that you know that no matter what, no matter what, they're in your corner. You got it. And just like you said, Donovan, you're linked for history through those recordings we played of your amazing races. 100%. Now, I am thinking of renaming this podcast to Jamaican Legends. I have been fortunate to also have Mr. Wes Hall, Mr. Carl Subban on this podcast. Happy birthday, Jamaica. As you know, the country turned 40 this year. Yes. What are your connections today to the country of your birth? And, and when was the last time you were able to visit? Oh, man. Well, my connections, um, well, I, you know, Jamaica, Jamaica is like Jamaica and Canada are, you know, are, are the, the combination of both of these uh, countries and cultures is what makes me a man today. And so uh, Jamaica is, you know, in the middle of the winter. That's usually when I'm in, when I'm there. And <laughs> You're funny, a wise I'm, man. <laughs> for the last, um, you know, I, I can't get my golf on in the winter, in, in the snow here. Um, no, but Jamaica is, uh, yeah, it's, it's the place that I go to recharge. It's a place that I go and I can go go out in the yard and and get fresh fruits. Um, you know, I can I can go down the ocean side and get fish just coming right out right out freshly caught. Um, you know, so yeah, Jamaica. Like when I anytime I hear Jamaica, it just that puts a smile on my face. Um, yeah. Clearly, uh, still a huge part of me, um, huge part of my family. Uh, you know, so hey, Jamaica. What can I say? What can you say? It's amazing. Now, Donovan, with Olympic coverage and all your travels, you are, of course, known worldwide. I want to ask any surprising places where you've been recognized? You know, I, I, I probably should say yes, but, but no. No, not really. <laughs> you know, no, not really. And, and I'll tell you why. So, you know, there's lots of times that um, there's a lot of times that, that I'm out with other athletes, whether or not they're baseball players, basketball players. Football players, especially, but especially hockey players, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I try, and I, th I don't have to say anything, but I think it's always understood that if you're the fast man in the world, the world <laughs> is not two countries, the world is not five countries. For me, the world means the actual world. So if I'm <laughs> if I'm in uh, Marrakesh, if I'm in South Africa. If I'm in Namibia, if I'm in um, Brazil, if I'm in the Caribbean, if I'm in Alaska, if I'm in Australia, it's the exact same thing, which is I am Don Van Bailey, at, at one point, fastest human being on the planet. And, and, and for any of those other, some of my buddies, some of those other fellas, I try to explain to them, I say, dude, you're just a guy. So basically, <laughs> you're either my bodyguard or you look like, you know, if it's a white guy, I'm like, you're probably my agent. They think you're my agent or my lawyer, right? So, so it's, all, it's always funny. And I always, I always have a laugh with some of those guys. But yeah, there's, uh, you know, I've personally been to 190 countries. Wow. Uh, but, but, I, but I've certainly been recognized in every single country I've been. Now, I got to ask you, there must be one celebrity that you met who your eyes got wide and you, you were so pleased to meet this person. 
Oh God, yeah. Uh, well, the number one and two is uh, Nelson Mandela, Muhammad Ali. Wow. Uh, you know that's that's you know those, I mean those are not not only two of the greatest. I mean I don't think of of them as celebrities. I think that uh, you know if 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 there's a God and and, and a God had brothers, uh, then uh, both of both of those two men were placed on Earth. I mean you know neither one of them are flawless by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that um, uh, they've raised humanity to another level. You know, so those two men, uh, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting both of them. But certainly, I've met uh, presidents, um, you know, uh, whomever, singers, dancers, whatever. I mean, I, I think for me, it's just meeting another person because, uh, you know, they're as big a fan of mine as, as I am of theirs. So, mm-hmm. so usually it's, it's, you know, it's the same thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know what? I've met, uh, I've met some of the greatest human beings on this planet and, and I continue to, I mean, I, you know, heads of states, kings and queens. Fabulous. Well, we have a little segment here, Donovan, internet, true or false. You've already actually answered the first one. I was going to say Donovan Bailey played college basketball at Sheridan college. You've all already verified that is true. Yes. I'll give you a, <laughs> I'll give you one related though. The internet says Donovan Bailey has a scar over his right eye from hitting the rim of a basketball net internet, true or false. Absolutely true. Blocking a shot. <laughs> wow. 52-inch vertical leap. That's right. Holy mackerel. Okay, you got up there. In 1990, Donovan Bailey began his career training as a 100-meter sprinter part-time while also working as a stockbroker. Internet true or false? Absolutely true. Uh, how did your stockbroker career uh, end? I guess you got busy running in no time. You know what? I, I, I think I knew very quickly that being in an office, I mean, and I say this to my corporate friends all the time, being in an office was just wasn't for me at that, at that time. Now I'm in, now I'm in my office all day, every day now. <laughs> yeah. But I think as a young man in my early twenties, I kind of felt like locked away or in prison to some degree. And I felt that there was so much more of me, uh, to give. And, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, I just, you know, after a while, um, I also realized not only did I not like that, but uh, because of my career as an athlete, I want I wanted to utilize that opportunity before it was too late. I got one more here for you, Donovan. After graduating from Sheridan College, Donovan Bailey began working as a consultant for an importing and exporting company. Internet true or false? False. I, I well, still don't know what I, I, I still don't I still don't know what import export company I was working for. But if I did work at an import and export company, maybe you owe me some money. <laughs> Are you a Seinfeld fan? Yeah, I am a big Seinfeld fan. So I have to obviously ask you, did you focus on the importing or the exporting? But well, it, it wasn't even true. So. <laughs> Both. Let's talk a little about the things you're working on today. You have just started your third season of Running Things with Donovan Bailey. This is your podcast with Jason Portuando. And shout out to our mutual colleague who produces for you, Mike Boone. How do you enjoy doing the podcast, and uh, what's that experience been like? Well, I think the podcast is amazing. It, it allows me to to, to, to to tap into topics that I that sometimes the average person will not necessarily know that I have interest in. Uh, Jason is is phenomenal co-host. Uh, also, you know, very well versed and very well studied. Um, you know, Mike's pretty good producer himself. Uh, but we, you know, what I, I think the podcast is amazing. The podcast. It has like you, you, you tap into news of the day, um, tap into you know cultural discussions, lifestyle, um, you know. So I mean, I, I love it. I mean, it, it, what it does for me 
it kind of extends who I am um, and share that personal with more people. The other big feature of your post-retirement life, post-track retirement life, is Bailey Inc. What is Bailey Inc.? Bailey Inc. Bailey Inc. for me is um, is the umbrella company of all the things that I do: sitting on boards, investing in companies, raising money for startups. Um, you know, uh, the, the, several other things: right? real estate investment, restaurateur. Uh, so, so that's that embodies Bailey Inc. as a business. So ba- Bailey Inc. as a global business embodies all what Donovan Bailey is doing in business. And in addition to all your entrepreneurial activities, you also are involved with the Bailey Foundation. Can you talk about what that is? And, and Bailey Foundations is, is pretty much the same thing as Bailey. Bailey Foundation, we have under the umbrella, passed the baton with some mentorship program uh, for, for, for everyone. I mean, our, our motto at Pass the Baton is very simple. Every, I believe that every single person in Canada should have a mentor. And I don't care what it is that you do. All I ask of every adult in Canada is to just, if you see a wayward child, uh, get that child, take him and give him your your wisdom, your education and your experience so that person can become a a productive member of society. Uh, Part of the Bailey Foundation also is um, uh, Alzheimer's and both Alzheimer's and cancer uh, have affected me personally with uh, my, my, my mother, passing from complications from dementia and Alzheimer's and my dad from cancer. So I am I am, and will always lend support in raising money and bringing awareness uh, to find a cure and to contribute to the research of both of these diseases. Well, I love that slogan, pass the baton. We're always passing on to the next generation. Absolutely. You're so busy, Donovan, with everything. Please tell us what's next. You've talked, maybe talk a little more about this book. What's coming down the pipe from Donovan Bailey? Yes. Uh, well, I have a book uh, coming. I signed a, a book deal with um, Penguin Random House. We uh, will be, uh, we'll have, I actually just, uh, I, I, I've got, I'm reading the manuscript right now to make sure that I got all my facts straight. Um, so that will be in the summer of 2023, um, hopefully around the World Championships, if not, It'll be at Christmas, and you can all get out there and get the Donovan Bailey book. Um, we don't know what the name of it is going to be yet, uh, but so look out for that. I just finished taping uh, the Ultimate Challenge Canada. It's a reality show that will be on CBC. Uh, so come February 2023, that will that'll probably be you'll probably see me all over the place uh, doing that. Uh, we're also um, filming a six-part docu series. I'm just starting to tape that. I will start it. Um, we started some preliminary taping, and we'll be doing that in the next coming months. And um, you know, other than that, uh, Andrew, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> other than that, you're just sitting around. I I, I know you're also yeah. the don. You're you're the don of Muskoka. Yes, apparently. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Muskoka was amazing. One of the things that that uh, my family and I have discovered is that Canada. Well, I mean, not discovered. I know that Canada is definitely one of the most beautiful places on the planet, especially in the summertime. But one of the things that we discovered during the pandemic is that it is also one of the greatest vacation spots where you can go and recharge right here. And you don't have to take a plane. You can hop in the car, rent a car. You know, for us, we had a couple of SUVs. Uh, But just, you know, Muskoka has been a place where I can go and, you know, and tuck, hide away, eat, drink, fall asleep 
and vacation. So yes, so being the Don of the Muskoka, it wasn't a bad thing or isn't a bad thing on a yearly basis. <laughs> All hail the Don. Yes. Donovan, thanks so much for your time. Uh, I want you to indicate where can we best follow you and know about all your projects. Well, um, you can follow me at, uh, well, my podcast is called Donovan Bailey Running Things, Running, run, running Things, <laughs> at, and, all, and all the podcast uh, platforms. Uh, and certainly you can follow me on, uh, on Instagram, the official Donovan Bailey, uh, and uh, Twitter, at Donovan Bailey. Uh, or if you want, or, you know, or just Google me. What the hell? <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, I wish you continued success. You're such a busy guy and such an inspiration as you continue. And uh, we look forward to what's next from Donovan Bailey. Thanks for your time. Well, thank you, Andrew. Have an awesome day. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast. On behalf of Donovan Bailey, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo. Looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.